folks. Welcome back to Indaba Africa. This is Chris once again. Hey, folks. Welcome back to Chris White Africa here on the Indaba Africa channel. A little bit off sequence there. Sorry about that. Welcome back. Today is the 7th of June, 2021. We're going to talk about an abbreviated session here of Indaba Africa News of the Day. Busy teaching this morning uh, remotely, so uh, we're going to have a short news version. Let's go and get started. It's Indaba African News of the Day, the 7th of June, 2021. Here are the headlines from across Africa and elsewhere. South Africa's finance minister, Tito Mbweni, gets flack in parliamentary discussions about rescuing South African airways when opposition members of parliament call it a prestige project. He responds to that. South Africa's minerals minister, Gwede Mantasha, tries to calm the mining sector in the wake of the assassination of Nico Swart from Richards Bay Minerals. And Brian Shivambu, Floyd Shivambu's brother, a senior figure in the Economic Freedom Fighters political party in South Africa, has agreed to repay 4.55 million rand, which he received for doing absolutely nothing. The question remains now, will he be prosecuted for corruption? South Africa's competition committee is destroying South Africa's economy. We'll talk about that grand parade and Burger King, a majority-owned black corporation which is trying to unload a loss-making operation uh, before it becomes worth nothing, being prevented by South Africa's competition commission, which has no charge in this to sell it to another company, foreign direct investor. Not allowed to do it. What did the Guptas cost South Africa? Well, the Daily Maverick has done an expose on that. We're going to talk about the amount of money that the Daily Maverick claims has been lost to South Africa as a consequence of corruption linked to the Guptas. Google settles an antitrust lawsuit with France for a significant sum. And The Hill, a political outlet here in the United States, attacks Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia for its principal stand against a undemocratic effort by the Congress to usurp our Constitution. Rossi Erasmus and his thoughts on Warren Gatlin's view of the Springbok selections for the upcoming British and Irish Lions Test Series in July and August. And Mornay Sten is back. One of my all-time favorite Springboks is back in the green and gold. Last appeared in 2016. Been ignored in selections when he was still a relatively young player. Now the 36-year-old is returning to the Springboks for this test series. Congratulations to Morning Sten. We'll talk about that more in this edition of Indaba African News of the Day. Those are the headlines in this abbreviated news program today, folks. Let me get to in-depth news and analysis, and we'll talk about those stories. The first off out of the gate is South African Airlines Airways is a baby Springbok among lions. Mbweni faces tough critics in parlay. Parliament is what that means. Parliament's National Assembly debated about the special appropriation bill, which includes a provision for 2.7 billion additional ran in a failed airline that has no business in operation, SAA, subsidiaries. During the debate, Minister of Finance Tito Mbweni hit out at those claiming this is part of a vanity project by the government. Democratic Alliance member Khaleb Kachilea described funding for SAA as a vanity project, saying the new airline would be vulnerable as a baby springbok among hungry lions. Indeed, with aging aircraft, its best aircraft no longer in the fleet, the A350, which didn't even belong to South African Airways, not even there. It doesn't have the appropriate aircraft to fly outside the continent or even for the domestic market. It could use a fleet of 737s, the latest version of 73, but it doesn't have them. It has a handful of aircraft. It is a sad, pathetic rump of what was once a prosperous airline. This all because of the ANC. They destroy anything they touch. 
The minister was speaking in Parliament during a plenary session that included a debate on a special appropriation bill which will make possible the transfer of another $2.7 billion for the airline subsidiaries Mango, SAA Technical, and Air Chefs. It's part of a $10.5 billion allocated in the mini-budget last year. Mwaney said these vanity projects' views did not need to be indulged. Oh, so opposition viewpoints are not worthy of discussion, according to Tito Mbwene. Talk about arrogant elitism. Even before I stand to speak, I know what certain members of the House will say. They memorize a particular mantra about vanity projects government, including airlines. You don't have to be indulged at all about what the dangers of memorized narrative about vanity projects is. Well, Tito and Buaney, let me just put this very simply for you. No one needs to be indulged at all to listen to a feckless bureaucrat who has no competence whatsoever, pushing more good money down the drain after a failed enterprise. Billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of rand have been put into this disaster, this dumpster fire known as South African Airways. Remember you last year? We will not take money from the IMF and World Bank. We are a sovereign state. They will not intrude in our sovereignty. Um, I don't know, Tito, have you ever been to a bank as a consumer and tried to borrow money? What do banks expect from you? Collateral, the ability to pay back the loan, the ability to actually service the loan. They want to know that you have an income. In the case of multilateral institutions, they want to know that the money's not simply going into your personal pocket or being pilfered by cadres. They want to know it's actually going to benefit South Africans. And your arrogance last year and your premature foolish buffoonery at saying, well, we're not going to borrow money when you were overruled just days later by your own party because there was nothing left for them to steal. The cupboard was empty. The ANC had to take the money from the IMF. Speaking of which, Tito Mbwene, where is the $5.6 billion that you received in August, July and August of 2020? Where'd that money go? 280, you think we forget about this? I have not forgotten about it. Just like I've not forgotten about the brutal slaying of Setsafayo Pule, an eight-month pregnant Tswana-speaking woman, last year. We don't forget these things. Or the slaughter of Edward Neumeister, an Austrian immigrant who lived in South Africa for nearly five decades until he was butchered by a panga-wielding thug who's yet to be arrested. Mortally wounded, the 68-year-old man stumbled back into the kitchen to disrupt this brutal piece of slime so his partner could escape. And for that, he was mangled beyond belief. We don't forget Beckett Sile, Brendan Horner. We don't forget 26-year-old pregnant women, four-month-old on the Ayub farm near Vinan. We don't forget. And we don't forget about money pissed down the drain by feckless, corrupt politicians. <sighs> Vanity project. Not listening to comments from the opposition. You can run your mouth as much as you want, but you can't hide the facts. You can lie about it, but it isn't going to work. Should we not rather rebuild our tourism footprint globally than giving more money to SAA and its subsidiaries? Rethink this folly. Now, this comes from Kachilia. That's a good point. The Inkata Freedom Party argued that throwing money at SAA's problems and those of its subsidiaries were unlikely to solve them. We've been coughing up for years to support a dysfunctional airline, says Member of Parliament Mukulelo Hlengwa, who is also chair of the Standing Committee on Public Accounts. The Freedom Front Plus expressed skepticism there would be no further bailouts. But the ANC argued during the debate that when the funds were allocated, its subsidiaries could not be overlooked. The party argued that the demise of state airlines could not be allowed, risking private sector players stepping in and getting the assets of subsidiaries for next to nothing. Well, you know what? The reason why private sector foreign direct investors will come in and get mango for nothing is because it's worth nothing. Its equity is underwater. You'd have to pay somebody to take that broken airline off your hands. 
And this is the finance minister? You know what? I think he went to the same economics program that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez attended at an Ivy League school where she learned that the unemployment rate is lower because people have to work two jobs to survive in the Trump economy. Uh, no, the number of jobs has nothing to do with the unemployment rate. It's the number of people in the workforce, AOC, in the workforce. And by the same token, Tito Mbueni, South African Airways is worth nothing. It's bankrupt. Mango is worth nothing. It's bankrupt. There's no equity in the company. The stock is upside down. Nobody is going to get it for nothing. You're going to have to pay someone to take this fossil off your hands. Where did you get your education at, Dertito and Bueni? And where's the $5.6 billion? $285 million from the African Development Bank in July of 2020. $1 billion from the BRICS Bank in August. And $4.3 billion. At the time, an exchange rate of, oh, what the rate was, it was 90 billion rand. Where is that money? That's enough money to buy for vaccines four times over at the exorbitant prices, not the discounted prices you're now getting for the entire country of South Africa. Where'd the money go, Tito and Bueni? $5.6 billion. Yeah, if anybody doesn't need to be listened to, it's Tito and Bueni. I'm just saying. Well, rest assured, folks, if you work in the mining sector in South Africa, it's going to be okay. Gwede Mantashi has weighed in trying to calm the mining sector after the brutal assassination of former Chris White Africa viewer Nico Swart. Yeah, disgraceful. But uh, he is, I understand where he's coming from. Uh, mining officials are becoming targets of assassination. He's trying to calm the market down. Minerals Department statement that killing executives taints the image of mining South Africa won't calm investors' jitters, according to Ed Stoddard from the Business Maverick. I'd have to agree with him. Minerals and Energy Minister Gwede Montasha visited Richards Bay last Thursday after the murder of his general manager, Nico Tswart. Montasha gave assurances to the investment community that it was safe to invest in South Africa while acknowledging that mafia-style hits against executives were not a selling point. <sighs> Since 2015, three employees of the mine have been killed. The minister cautioned against the killings of mining executives across the country. Such killings taint the image of mining in South Africa. As does the mining charter in South Africa and the racist policy of South Africa and the exclusion of the competition committee or commission from South Africans from accepting foreign direct investment because not a sufficient number of people have enough melanin in their skin. Racist on the very basis of it. Well, Gwede Mantasha, good luck uh, convincing people that it's safe uh, to invest in the mining sector when people are being assassinated there, not to mention the unhelpful business climate that you have. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Shivambu, the brother of Floyd Shivambu, implicated in the VBS, the Venda Bank System scandal, in which the economic freedom fighters and their cohorts are alleged to have looted the life savings of poor black South Africans. He's paying back 4.55 million rand. Why? If it was legitimate, if you got it for a service, but it wasn't. He didn't provide a service. The money was simply handed to him because of political connections. So where is the state prosecutor? Where's the national prosecuting authority with charges related to corruption? Brian Shivambu is to pay back 4.55 million rand he received from Vele Investments. He's agreed to pay it back. The money was reported received for no reason. He's been linked to the alleged 2 billion looting at the VBS Mutual Bank. Shivambu's attorneys reportedly insisted on secrecy clause as part of the contract signed on the 23rd of March. The contract reportedly states there is no underlying basis for the payment and they will repay them 4.5 million rand. 
Vele Investments was a majority stakeholder in VBS Mutual Bank. Vele and VBS executives allegedly stole more than $1.5 billion from the bank's depositors through fake deposits. Well, here we have it. Linked to the EFF. Why is this not front page news story all over South Africa? It's a good question. Speaking of more news in South Africa, the Competition Commission is preventing competition by ensuring that only black investors can pour money into South Africa. What a foolhardy, idiotic measure this is, preventing foreign direct investment from coming into the economy on the basis of skin pigmentation. Hello, you remember the National Party? You remember apartheid? Remember the world was reviled at? You are doing exactly the same thing, ANC. And your competition commission is exceeding its writ. It's supposed to prevent antitrust, or supposed to prevent trust with antitrust action and monopolies and oligarchies, not invade on who the shareholders of a company are, enforcing a racist law. Bruce Whitfield for Financial Mail says, Competition Commission bites the investment hand that feeds South Africa. Indeed, it does. Message is that foreign investors should think twice before plowing money into South Africa. As I said, not just Grand Parade, majority black-owned business, 68% black ownership, as if anybody cares, can't sell it to private equity group emerging Capital Partners Africa, ECP. Grand Parade is now stuck with a loss leading investment in Burger King's 90 outlets and it might, might even go under, costing hundreds of jobs across South Africa as a consequence of racist intervention into the marketplace. Unbelievable. And this is the topic. Business Maverick is also, Sasha Planting has written about this in Business Maverick as well. She says, these days I spend a lot of time wondering if we in South Africa haven't gone down the rabbit hole and having an alternate reality of Wonderland horror show that it is. Certainly we have enough pretenders for the role of the rulers of Wonderland, the king and queen of hearts who issue decrees and commands on a whim. The competition commission and its commissioner Tembinkosi Bonakile exhibited the twisted logic worthy of Wonderland this week when the commission ruled against the acquisition of Burger King by emerging capital partners, a pan-African equity group that has been investing across Africa for the past 20 years. The firm has raised more than $3.2 billion in growth capital through its funds and co-investment vehicles. We'd like them to come back. But the condition is not concerned that the sale will stifle competition, which is what its role is. But Burger King is being sold by a black company to a white company. Of course, this is a simple logic of racist. Uh, so it argues that the transaction is not in the public interest because it will result in dilution of black ownership. Excuse me? Excuse me? The decision prevents existing historically disadvantaged shareholders from Grand Parade from realizing full value of their investment Burger King. They'll be poor for it. But bear in mind that 99% of the shareholders voted in favor of the transaction. So 99% of the shareholders, which includes 68% of the shareholders who are black, voted in favor of selling to ECP. They don't care who the owners of ECP are, nor do the owners of ECP. And ECP should not be intimidated into adhering to racist laws and policy in South Africa. Nor should Starlink and Elon Musk. Don't do it. Don't do it. So what have the Guptas cost South Africa? Well, the Daily Maverick has done an investigative report on that, and it's not an insignificant amount. I'm not going to read the entire article, but I will run through the amounts that they claim that are a loss to South Africa's economy as a consequence of the Guptas and the corruption tied to the Zuma regime. Top 10 sites of state capture, what the Guptas really cost our country. This is an investigative report by Ray McCalla, Rebecca Davis, and Suni Payne. Corruption is the biggest threat to a hard-won democracy. Oh, I agree with that. So what's left? Very complicated there. They've got uh, 48 billion rand, the true cost of the Gupta capture. I'm sure it's more than that. Transnet, 40 billion looted. ESCOM, 7 billion rand looted. Free State Provincial Government, more than 440 million rand looted. Dinell, the defense parastatal, 250 million rand looted. Industrial Development Corporation, 250 million rand looted. 
SABC, more than 62 million rand looted. SABC has no money. Why? Because it was stolen. Northwest Provincial Government, about 40 million looted. South African Airways and South African Express, 26.5 million looted. This is in addition to the tens of billions of rand that have been given to them that they've wasted. And the office of the premier of Mpumalanga, not even a figure attached to this. South African Forestry Company Limited, more than 5.7 million rand looted. And that's the figure. Over 48 billion rand looted from South Africa's coffers by Gupta-related corruption. According to Daily Maverick, it's unbelievable the amount of money that has been pilfered from South African taxpayers and citizens. Google has settled an antitrust case with France, which has gone after it over its advertising practices. This story in the Wall Street Journal deals with competition authority, resolves complaint over the firm's digital advertising tax. Alphabet, that's Google's parent, agreed to pay French regulators a fine of $270 million selling one of the first antitrust cases globally that alleged the tech company abused its leading role in the digital advertising sector. France's competition authority said that it also accepted a series of proposed commitments Google made to settle the case, including promises to make it easier for competitors to use its online ad tools. How about you get them to also stop censoring legitimate debate and discourse. Google's commitments will be binding for three years. We've agreed on a set of commitments to make it easier for publishers to make use of data and our tools with other ad technologies, says Maria Gomri, Google's legal director in France. We committed to working collaboratively with regulators and investing in new products and technologies to give publishers more choice, better results when using our platforms. These, uh, this ruling is only binding in France. Google is free to continue its practices, which clearly are illegal in France, according to the government across the rest of the European Union and around the world. And they will. The Hill has attacked Senator Joe Manchin for his principal position on not voting for the vile piece of legislation known as H.R. 1. That's right, folks. The, uh, what do they call this thing? The Save America Act or something like that? It's ridiculous. Senator Manchin has come under attack from this leftist publication, The Hill. Representative Jamal Brown says in an interview on early money compared Senator Manchin to Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell for voicing opposition to legislation on voting rights. That's not what the legislation's about. Manchin has become the new Mitch McConnell, the progressive first-term lawmaker said during an appearance on CNN's New Day. Talk about disrespectful. Now Manchin is doing everything in his power to stop democracy and stop our work for the people. What a load of feces this story is. Manchin is not pushing us closer to bipartisanship. He's doing the work of the Republican Party by being obstructionist, just like they've been since the beginning of Biden's presidency. Well, they've been obstructionist because you're passing unconstitutional laws. You're, you're, you're presenting in the House of Representatives and taking to the Senate pieces of legislation that violate the Constitution, not just the spirit, but the letter of the Constitution. House H.R. 1 violates the Constitution in virtually every aspect of it. It's unconstitutional. It never should have left the House floor. And it is the wet dream of leftists. And Joe Manchin is, is making a principal stand. Now, I've criticized Joe Manchin in the past, but I've praised him for his principal stand here. He's right. He's absolutely right. The fact that he's the only Democrat that can stand up and face the facts and be honest is depressing. Depressing. But be attacked by a first-term leftist, that's really vile. Rossi Rasmus reckons Lions boss Warren Gatlin what he will make of the Springbok squad. There's Rassi out there with Faf de Klerk. Springboks director of rugby Rassi Rasmus reckons Lions boss Warren Gatlin won't be really nervous over the 46-strong South African squad unveiled this Saturday to face the tourist in July. 
Erasmus suggested his rival had something up his sleeve eight days earlier when he asked for sauce on the 37-strong squad chosen by the Lions. I think he's got something up his sleeve, said Erasmus. I don't think we're going to see this battle of attrition grinding out like the semifinal in the World Cup against Wales. We'll definitely see a bit of change in his game plan, but he might just be throwing us some bait. I'm not sure. <laughs> now Erasmus and Springboks head coach Jacques Niebnar have shown their hand, revealing a selection which they suggest took 18 months of weekly revised and whittled down from initial number 64 players. It's quite impressive, the changes there. No sooner was Dwayne Vermeulen included in the squad than he, the worst news as he twisted his ankle. Yeah, that's really disappointing. That's going to have a major impact on the Springboks uh, test series this summer, the loss of Dwayne Vermeulen, uh, my, um, my favorite player for the longest time in South African rugby. Very disappointing to see that. And welcome back to the Springbok squad where he has belonged for a long time. Now, as I've said in an honest evaluation, when he was younger, his defensive effort was kind of suspect. But over the years, his defensive efforts have become, become decent. And uh, But his kicking game has always been top-notch. Who am I talking about? Mornay Sten. That's right. The former Bull went to France, returned back to South Africa last year. has been playing for the Bulls now for two seasons is finally back in the green and gold where he belongs as a Springbok. 66 tests under his belt. He should already be north of 100 at this stage if he hadn't been excluded from test matches. Mornay Stun won the last of his 66 South African caps against New Zealand back in 2016. The 36-year-old kicked the series clinching penalty on his Springboks debut against the British and Irish Lions in 2009. Also scored every point against the Kiwis, the All Blacks, and Bloemfontein back in 2009 during the Tri-Nations. It was quite an auspicious debut for him. South Africa's desire to have a fly half who can settle the nerves and eke out a win in tight situations led to the recall of Mornay Stan for next month's British and Irish Lions series. The fact that he will turn 37 before the start of the series, he's been rewarded for some gritty displays for the Bulls. It was Sten's steady boot that clinched the series victory against the Lions in 2009. The big thing we're looking for there was consistency, said Nibnar. Adding that Mornay is the most consistent fly half since domestic rugby returned in November. Yeah, he's great. Great photograph of him there back in 2009. You see Victor Matfield behind him. There's Brian Habana. Sharks beat, or Sten beat the Sharks. Number 10, Kerwin Bosch, for a place on the 46-man squad that also played two tests against Georgia. Congratulations to Mornay Sten, ladies and gentlemen. And those are the headlines, in-depth news and analysis for today, the 7th of June, 2021, here on Indaba African News. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, apologies for no broader news on Africa today, which we normally cover, but I was tied up this morning and didn't have an opportunity to focus on the rest of the continent. Not many major news stories coming along. We will follow up on the story of Nigeria banning Twitter after Twitter banned President Buhari and a retaliation Twitter banned, or Nigeria banned Twitter. And then, of course, the United States, Canada, the European Union, United Kingdom, and Ireland all condemned, condemned Nigeria for firing back at Twitter's abusive behavior. It's about time somebody stood up to tech titans who silenced people. Folks, that's it. We'll catch you here next time in Dob Africa. Thanks for tuning in.